the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Hour number two of The Bruce Hooley Show starts with our weekly interview with Jack Windsor of the Ohio Press Network. Follow Jack on Twitter at Jack Windsor, W-I-N-D-S-O-R. Or log on to the Ohio Press Network at theohiopressnetwork.com. Jack, everybody's talking about the Biden speech last night, the content, the optics, uh, and I know you guys are a nonpartisan site, so I am just uh, wanted to get your take as watching it. It uh, it definitely had a, a, a different view to it with the red light and the Marines behind him and uh, spending a lot of time, you know, criticizing his political opponents. What's your takeaway from whatever you saw last night? What struck you first? Uh, I think there are three major takeaways. The first is Joe Biden talked for 25 minutes, and he used the word democracy 25 times. Uh, sidebar, uh, America is a constitutional republic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one line that stuck out more than the foreboding background that made him look like the leader of the Third Reich was when he said, the Republican Party is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and MAGA Republicans, and that this is a threat to our country. Um, look, the, the list of failures for Joe Biden is longer than the list of women in Clinton's black book. Uh, the reality is this. Uh, Joe Biden ran a race for the White House that stirred vitriol and hatred for Donald Trump. And what has he done since taking over in the White House? Well, inflation is at a 41-year high. Fuel prices were higher than we've ever seen him. This country is divided. People are terrified of what the future looks like. And that translates into his approval ratings being the lowest in modern history. So what do you do? You ignore your failures and you drum up more hate. And by the way, he has to drum up more hate for this November than he did in 2020 in order to to get people to the polls in November because it's a midterm election and people don't turn out as much. And Democrats need high turnout if they're going to win these key races. So he's dancing with who brought him to the big dance. Uh, You know, that's the... That's a big deal for me. Um, and, you know, I guess the third point would be, Bruce, and is that when you look at what he considers to be victories in legislation, really it's big corporate welfare for a company that could have paid its own way with Intel and the CHIPS Act. And uh, it's what uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, which was improperly named, and uh, that will wipe out 10 years of deficit reduction according to the Congressional Budget Office, and it'll actually increase inflation according to some of the highest profile economists that I can find. And so, you know, it's blame game politics 101. That's what I saw last night. Uh, Jack Windsor, our guest, theohiopressnetwork.com. I agree with you, and I I would point out it's not just Joe Biden. I think ten, we tend to focus on some of his... Um, Oh, physical frailties, and we think maybe there's mental frailties there, but uh, I heard Jessica Tarloff, a Democratic activist, say today, this is a speech Democrats have been waiting for him to give. They love the speech. And if you think back to the Barack Obama two terms, and Biden was his VP, uh, 
Obama's go-to was always blame Bush. It's Bush's fault. It's Bush's fault. Nothing that happened under Obama, the bad economics, the whatever, it was always Bush's fault. So I think it is a tried-and-true strategy playing the blame game, and we've had two years of Democrats in complete control of Washington. They've got to spend whatever they wanted to spend on whatever they wanted to spend it. They got the southern border the way they wanted. They got out of Afghanistan. They've not been stopped at anything they want to do. And I'm supposed to, like as a person who disagrees with their policies, I'm not only supposed to just sit and take it quietly and I guess I'm supposed to apologize for the fact that their policies don't work, that I claim it's my fault that their policies don't work because I don't agree with them in lockstep. Yeah, it's gaslighting and uh, kind of emotional abuse all wrapped up in one, right? Um, We're kind of in a a codependent, dysfunctional relationship uh, with our federal elected officials. And, you know, that's kind of the scary part. I had several people message me last night and go, okay, this just went up a level, uh, the background, the way that he talked. And my, you know, first instinct was, well, of course it did. Because, again, it has to. He has to. He has to run on hate. He has to drum up vitriol. And he has to get people out to vote in November or else, you know, the dog and pony show and, uh you know, the spending spree is going to slow down after November. Yeah. Jack Windsor, our guest. Follow him on Twitter at Jack Windsor. Let's uh, focus a little bit on the midterms. The Republican Party uh, hoping to do well in the midterms in Ohio and uh, throughout the nation. Here in Ohio, interesting little uh, inside baseball fight. Bob Patichuk, the uh, Republican Party chairman, or Paduchik, Republican Party chairman, uh, he's in a battle for his spot uh, and you know, it is uh, interesting to me that I was at a recent event and I had a bunch of people from the newly elected people to the Republican Central Committee come up to me and they want him out. They want certain changes made in the Republican Party. They don't want Republican the Republican Party endorsing in Republican primaries. They question some of the finances and where the finances have gone or how they've been dispersed. Uh, take me through this battle for the chairmanship of the Republican Party uh, in terms of what you think its impact will be on the midterms if, in fact, uh, Paduchik is out. Yeah, so, uh, by the way, this is a great topic, and if I get too far in the weeds, please pull me out, because I can imagine that going too far inside baseball, uh, people might gloss over uh, their ears and make callous here. But uh, here's the deal. Uh, the Ohio Republican Party is at a crossroads. Uh, I've covered uh, the State Central Committee and its its meetings uh, for the better part of two years. And what happened on August 2nd was that uh, a group, what I will call and what I think they call themselves, are the reformers. These are the people who are more conservative. These are the people who censured uh, uh, U.S. Congressman Anthony Gonzalez at one of the meetings. Uh, these people who ran on a platform we want new leadership in the state party. We don't want to endorse in primaries. We don't want to give money to uh, an executive office holder like DeWine in Houston. If there are challengers in the primary, we want our books audited more than once every 16 years. We want our questions answered, and we don't want to be steamrolled and, and belittled, right? And so as we looked at the results coming in, it appears that these reformers have – depending on who you talk to, somewhere between 34 and 40 votes uh, on a 66-member panel, which means that they have the majority to change out leadership. Now, here's the controversy. There's going to be a meeting next Friday, September 9th, and based on the way that the uh, Ohio law reads and the party rules read, it would appear that there needs to be an election and that those state central committee members will elect a new chairman. 
Chairman Bob Paducek just put out an agenda for that meeting, and it does not appear that he's going to go quietly. It does not appear that he even has on the agenda the vote that would give these state central committee members the opportunity to have him replaced. How does it impact the primary, or excuse me, the midterm election? That's a great question. I don't know. My opinion, my gut tells me that there are a large number of what I would call conservative Republicans in the state of Ohio. And I think that number is growing. So if leadership in the Ohio Republican Party is changed out, one side will tell you that's chaos and we can't do it. The other side would say it will energize the Republican Party like never before, and it will actually get people out to the polls. It will get people engaged, and it will allow the party to go to the next level. It's going to be interesting. We'll learn a lot next Friday. Interesting. Jack Windsor is our guest. TheOhioPressNetwork.com is Jack's site, a great site. You should be checking it every single day. You'll get a lot of stories about what's going on in Ohio that's important that you won't find in other mainstream media sources. And I highly recommend that you become uh, a daily reader of TheOhioPressNetwork.com. All right, you have a two-part interview with Warren Davidson on there. He's the guy in Congress who replaced John Boehner. And you had uh, some interesting interplay with him on what's ahead if... The House is controlled by Republicans going forward who might be sitting in front of House uh, investigative committees or oversight committees. Yeah, so it, the conversation started talking about Anthony Fauci when he announced his retirement. And my question was, does he go quietly or does he come before Congress? And Davidson said, oh, you better believe he's going to come before Congress. And if he doesn't want to come before Congress, we'll subpoena him. Uh, so my question was, you know, are there going to be others? Well, what I found in that conversation with Davidson and then talking with some other insiders in D.C., folks uh, on the, the Congressman Jordan's team, is that if Republicans do win the majority in the lower chamber in November, then the budget flips. So right now they get 33 percent and they'll get allocated 66 percent. And uh, the scuttlebutt is that they are absolutely ramping up and preparing for investigations and hearings that would involve Anthony Fauci and those gain-of-function research claims. Uh, probably Merrick Garland, uh, who is the United States Attorney General, and uh, there are what Jim Jordan's team tells me, two dozen, at least two dozen whistleblowers have heard about that agency and their concerns. And then, of course, that would tie right directly to uh, the FBI director uh, himself, Christopher Wray. Interesting. I uh, have wondered whether that's wise because, you know, it seems like it's going after your political enemies. But I do think there's a case to be made for finding out authentically what happened with the virus, uh, what we were told by our public health officials. Obviously, we can't have an FBI that's mistrusted by people. So I think that uh, there's merit there. I think it's a fine line to walk and hopefully the Republicans will be able to walk it and get answers Uh, and not just get revenge. Jack, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. We really appreciate uh, what you do, appreciate your time, and um, I look forward to our visits every single week. I do too, Bruce. It's always a pleasure to be with you and the Answer family. Thanks for choosing me today. Among the other stories that you'll find on the OhioPressNetwork.com, an update on the bakery in Oberlin that won a multi-million dollar judgment for being accused of being racist. Where does that stand, and will they ever get their money? We'll give you the details next on The Bruce Hooley Show. So I appreciate our visit with Jack Windsor, and told you I would update you on the sad case of Gibson's Bakery. 
in Oberlin, Ohio, home of Oberlin College. The two are linked. I will tell you why and how momentarily. But first, I do want to support my assertion that this is not just Joe Biden dividing America. This mindset that Biden voiced last night that certainly applies to the Gibson Bakery case against Oberlin College is a widely held mindset on the left. Here's Jessica Tarloff, who is the uh, resident leftist on Fox News, talking about her Democratic friend's reaction to Biden's speech last night, which this very attitude traces all the way back to Donald Trump's election, which is where we will pick up the story of Gibson's Bakery and Oberlin College. Every single Democrat that I heard from, people who were texting, were saying that this was the speech that they had been waiting for Joe Biden to make. And it's been a complaint for years that Republicans are always on offense and we're always on defense. We're always trying to soothe Republicans' feelings. And Mitch McConnell will do whatever he has to do, including stealing a, a Supreme Court seat, to get things done. So the perception could be not further off from what Democrats and Republicans, and I'm sure the MAGA Republicans, which is a smaller subset of Republicans, felt about this speech. The optics were aggressive. I will certainly give you that. Um, but people felt like that this was Joe Biden's moment, that he showed backbone, that he talked about not only the threat to our democracy and elections by Donald Trump and the people who support him and things like fake elector schemes, but the accomplishments that he's had. He's had a very good few months. And Democrats and independents, and I'm sure a lot of moderate Republicans, were happy to hear from him that he he is going to take a victory lap on that, and we're going to head into November with a lot of good stuff. Uh, not so fast, sister. Uh, I certainly hope there are no Republicans that think that Joe Biden uh, usurping the Constitution to eliminate student loan debt is a great thing. Uh, I certainly hope they don't think uh, a green energy boondoggle in the uh, dishonestly named Inflation Reduction Act is a good thing. But she certainly equates the fact that, I mean, listen, I mean, you listen to her talk and she's like, wait, what? You, what? Democrats are too accommodating of Republicans? Like, and, and I love how she says, Mitch McConnell stole a Supreme Court seat. Did Mitch McConnell operate within the rules of the Senate to keep Merrick Garland off the Supreme Court? Yeah, he did. Do the Democrats, when they want to get something done, worry about being hemmed in by laws? No. They didn't care on the rent moratorium. They didn't care on vaccine mandates. Joe Biden said on the rent moratorium, yeah, it's probably not constitutional, but we'll do it and we'll see if the courts over, overruled. I mean, it is just, rather than debate how wrong she is, what I want to highlight is this is how invested they are in their delusion. And this delusion kicked into overdrive on the day Donald Trump was elected president. They couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it. How could Donald Trump be elected president? Remember? Remember? I don't even know a single person who voted for Donald Trump. I don't even know a single person. They couldn't believe it. There were entire communities like, oh my goodness, our county voted for Donald Trump? I can't believe I live in this county. I saw stories like that out of states that went for Trump, like Wisconsin, Michigan, swing states. I can't believe I live in a place where they would vote for Donald Trump. Well, where you live is you live in a place where they are sick and tired of other countries' needs, wants being placed ahead of America's needs. And you're, you're living in a place where they're sick and tired of feckless border policies allowing an invasion of our country. That's where you live. You live in a country, in a county, in a state that loves 
what America was, not what Barack Obama tried to turn it into and what Hillary Clinton would have continued to turn it into. So on the day that Donald Trump was elected, in November of 2016, the next morning in Oberlin, Ohio, three black Oberlin College students walked into Gibson's Bakery. Gibson's Bakery is a family bakery in the quaint little town of Oberlin, Ohio. It's been in business for 130 plus years. One of the students decided he would try to shoplift a couple bottles of wine. And then he tried to buy a third bottle of wine with a counterfeit credit card. An elderly gentleman who's part of the Gibson family chased him out of the store and tried to hold him until police arrived. The elderly member of the Gibson family was beaten up. The next day, 100 Oberlin students converged on the bakery. And they began uh, muscling people who tried to get into the bakery away from getting in there to uh, buy items. Within the week, Oberlin College canceled every contract, every standing contract it had with Gibson's Bakery. The, the university itself issued statements that the bakery engaged in racist practices. And so you can imagine how this went for Gibson's Bakery. Uh, they sued for defamation, and they won in court. And they won a judgment of $44 million. The state of Ohio reduced it to $25 million according to the statutes of the state and also gave the bakery $6.5 million in legal fees to reimburse their attorneys. Since that time, $4.5 million in interest has accrued. Gibson's Bakery has not seen the first dollar of this judgment from Oberlin College. Its business is a shell of what it used to be, and if it does not get payment for this judgment within the next few months, it will declare bankruptcy. This bakery did absolutely nothing wrong. Nothing. And it has been vilified and victimized and demonized by a campus full of rampant ideologues and leftists and Marxists and hateful, despicable people from the administration right on down through the students. It is a cesspool of liberalism. It is despicable what has happened to Gibson's Bakery. It is a disgraceful failure of our legal system and our judicial system that they received a judgment against this college years ago, a judgment upheld, by the way, by the state Supreme Court of the state of Ohio on Tuesday of this past week, and still And still, Oberlin College has not paid one dime to Gibson's Bakery because the students were enraged by the election of Donald Trump. Yet we are the extremists. We are the ones who are a threat to the country. Not the people who won't pay a judgment that has been legally awarded to a bakery years ago. Not them. Not them. Those of us who want to uphold the rule of law and how it should apply in the United States of America. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.